0: I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to The Cold. Cold is the storyteller's church. It is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And here in The Cold, we talk about story most of the time, (laughs) at least in one way or another. And this week is no exception. This week I want to talk to you a little bit about a birthday gift that my husband gave me this year. Now my birthday was back in July, but um, I've been thinking a lot about what he gave me. He did something unconventional this year. Instead of a material gift, you know, like a pretty top or a little bling, a nice dinner, he gave me some inspiration. It came in the form of a five-year-old New York Times Magazine article, which he'd printed out on plain paper and placed into a clear binder. No frills, no professions of eternal love, not even a card. On the cover, was a picture of this grizzled and intellectual-looking slav, very intense. You know, the kind of man who writes novels, then gets put in prison for it. His eyes seemed to burn with subversive thoughts. His name was Alexander Doba, and he was not a writer, or any kind of artist for that matter. He wasn't even really much of a thinker, at least not in in the classical sense, you know. What he was, was a man of action with a mission. A nearly deaf, retired mechanical engineer who had kayaked alone across the Atlantic Ocean three times. The last being in 2017, the age of 70. In his quest for conquering the ocean, thumbing his nose at all the naysayers out there, and vanquishing his own fears, he was forced to confront disasters that rank on a biblical scale. Like hailstorms of flying fish, do you know how fast they go? This does not feel good. I swear I could hear his accent in my head, having grown up in a family of Slavs. He also got thrown from his kayak during a fierce storm, one of many he survived, though sometimes barely. I woke up on the shore to the sound of screaming, my own. Hunger, sunstroke, sleep deprivation, salt-induced blisters and rashes hallucinations loneliness and a level of fatigue that defies description all stalked him on the high seas i did it with no stuntman now you may be wondering as i did why my husband thought I would find kinship in Doba's adventuring. I'm not a kayaker or extreme sports enthusiast of any kind. I've had a lifelong fear of deep water, and the thought of spending weeks alone in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by sharks gives me the heebie-jeebies. Scaredy-cat probably best describes my approach to anything from finding a spider crawling up my leg to partaking in quasi life-threatening activities like riding roller coasters. And I would never, ever be so ridiculous as to claim that I could conquer my chicken-heartedness enough to do even half the things Alexander Doba has done. He has a level of grit that's present in only the true heroes among us. And I'm not one of those. Hell, I'm not even Polish. But there was something about the word Doba used to describe his outlandish journeying that holds the answer to why he and I may share more in common than it would appear. That word was katorga. It's a simple enough sounding word as far as Slavic words go, three syllables, lots of hard consonants, the kind of word that forces your jaw open and pulls your face down when you say it. In Polish, it's also the word for forced labor in Siberia. And over the years, as gulags and Arctic climates have largely faded from memory, Katorga has also taken on another meaning. Roughly, according to the New York Times piece, it is an experience of suffering repurposed as contrarian self-determination and one that gives an existential thrill. When put this way, my husband's unorthodox birthday gift begins to make more sense. You see, I do have my own katorga. Mine begins every time I start a new novel, especially one that's part of a series. It ends, well, (laughs) it never really ends if I'm to be honest, because like Alexander Doba. I'm already thinking about my next odyssey before I've finished my last. I'm rewriting the bleak memories of my trials and tribulations as deeds of brain-busting, daring-do, existential thrills of the imagination. Like when I invented a mind-blowing plot twist that I almost couldn't write my way through, threatening to lay waste to hundreds of finished pages. That one took months to figure out. Or when I decided a beloved character needed to die a horrible, agonizing death, thus risking the ire of readers. You see, the wrong editorial decision can destroy years of work, putting into peril future books in the series. I've run out of creative juice on some days and experienced a paralyzing crisis of confidence on others. At times, the monotony of editing and the line-by-line fixes of persnickety continuity problems has gotten to me. Errors that seem small, like when I discovered my heroine's shoes were cream-colored at the beginning of a chapter. but lilac-hued by the time I describe them again in the next chapter. Things like that can take a reader out of the story. Then, for them, it's on to the next novel on their nightstand. Now, I recognize that while harrowing to me, these are hardly the sorts of audacious feats that would inspire the National Geographic Society to bestow upon me its annual People's Choice Adventurer of the Year Award, as it did in 2015 on Mr. Dova. But in the place of such a distinction, I will happy I will be happy to accept a simple word or two of encouragement from readers who seem to genuinely love my work. I'll take pride in the reviews that spring up on Amazon and other platforms. I know I'm not the only one in your cold club, but I always feel like you're writing something personal just for me. That one was from Roger B. Even when one of my books is by all objective financial measures a bomb. There is a psychic income I get from trying to figure out why more readers weren't enticed to buy, and maybe attempting to take corrective measures, or from defiantly making the decision to continue with my original vision, hoping to slowly bring people on board, I've approached my work in both ways. The writing is of great quality, beautifully descriptive when required, sparse when not, but the plotting displays a crepuscular style which risks leaving 50% of the readers none the wiser as to what has just transpired. It is possible to have hidden meanings and unforeseen plot twists without this much obfuscation. Just ask John (laughs) LaCara. That was a tepid two-star Amazon review. Or Welcome to the Hotel Yalta, which was one of my first endeavors. It was a, a book of noir shorts. As for Alexander Dopa, his own sense of motivation comes not from awards or even pats on the back from admirers, but from a common expression in Poland. I do not want to be a little gray man. (laughs) Little gray man. It is a reminder to himself that he has no interest in dying in his bed. With this ethos in mind, he begins the process of redesigning his kayak to withstand bigger waves and more violent storms. He makes lists of extra-efficient foods to take with him and tries to invent new ways of exercising his legs so that he doesn't lose muscle tone. I mean, in the past he tried swimming, but that attracted sharks. As he tackles the problems that vexed him, nearly killed him on previous expeditions, his fears and frustrations actually begin to subside. They're replaced by a deep longing for the turtles that he liked to commune with, whose shells he would tap as he swam by, and the birds who would land on his kayak, refusing to leave. Friends on the open sea. He starts to look forward to seeing them again. exactly this kind of reimagining of our drudgery as triumph that makes those of us who are perhaps a little obsessive continue the fight. Katorga is a tyrannical mistress for sure, but we can't help but love her and wait like fools for the kind word, the wink, the nod she throws our way. As for Alexander Dopa, one of his katorgas did end up having her way with him. In February of 2021, he died while climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It was not in an avalanche or from exposure during a freak storm or from a fall. After summoning He asked for a brief rest before posing for a promised photo op. Then, according to eyewitness reports, he sat down on a rock and just fell asleep. I expect Micah Torga will have the last word on me, too. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And as for my newest Gatorga, that, as most of you know, came out on September 20th. It is of Sand and Bone, book two of the Breath series. And um, I encourage you all to have a look and see if it's something that you're interested in. And if you do indeed read it, I ask that you leave a review, even tepid two-star reviews like the one I read. I really, really do appreciate And I take to heart and sometimes take action on, actually. So I I very, 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 very much appreciate both critical and um, gushing reviews and everything in between. So until then, until next week, rather, I ask that you stay cold, my friends.